Yuri. Yes. Welcome to the Fulfilling Air Show. This episode is also special, as have been the last couple, because you also attended the Jackson Hole Avengers Summit that I run twice a year, and you just recently wrote this book, Creating Your Own Happiness. Why did you write this book? This book in particular. When I was 17 years old, I think I told you, um, uh, one of my family members attempted suicide. And ever since then, I just really started questioning what makes people happy, what makes people so unhappy, what makes people want to do anything or do nothing, and just got really curious about that. So positive psychology has always been like a part of my life. And yeah, to be honest, I think there's a big part of me Kyle was actually talking about this the other day, how he created the sleep, you know, uh, sleep course for his brother. Um, for me, I think I wrote it for my mom. And I don't think that clicked for me until like a year ago. I think I wrote this for my mom. And when I really start to do some of this work, I feel like um, I started having these visions. People that have gone through certain, you know, situations as I have. People who, like I have these like distinct visions of like somebody who's partying and they're drunk, they're like really effed up and they're looking around the club like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? And really recognizing like they're not happy and they have like that deep sense of like, what am I doing? And take another shot and move on. Um, I envision someone who's at the toilet, like throwing up and being like, what am I doing? Like, I'm hurting myself. Um, I envisioned people just, yeah, just being super apathetic and just not feeling like they have a purpose to live. And all of a sudden, I envisioned them, like, walking to, like, a bookstore or a friend's house and this book falls in their lap and they're like, whoa, what is that? So I had these, like, distinct visions of how it's going to reach them. And, like, when I got super clear of that... It was like I had to write it. And then I started writing it. I'm like, I don't think I'm that person yet. So I wrote this book three years ago when I ran into you in Bali. Um, I was like, I'm going to finish this book in 90 days. And... Did you? I did. Whoa. Yeah. But I. it took me three years to actually, you know, publish it because I don't... Like, I wrote it and then I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm that person yet. I don't feel like I'm in integrity with the person that I think I am. And it was like the shell of who I thought I wanted to be. And I wasn't that person yet. So it took me three years. The book was done, but it took me three years to feel like I'd be okay talking about what's in there and the stories I'm sharing there. Yeah. Wow. That's like really beautiful and powerful. It makes me want to read it even more that you had to wait. What did you do between the time where you wrote the book? And to the time where you felt comfortable publishing it, what were the shifts that happened there that got you to that point? A lot of breakdowns, <laughs> a lot of learning about myself, a lot of forgiving, a lot of healing, a lot of moving through more life stuff, um, serving, yeah, practicing talking about some of this stuff. Like I'll drop little pieces of the stories in there and like, ooh, how did that feel? Okay, okay, we can talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's been a whole process. I, I feel like I wrote it, forgot about it for three years. I just been building my business and my coaching, healing. And I think that happened simultaneously. Mm. 
And what were the, you know, I'm, I'm going to dig pretty deep on this, but what were the things that you felt like you needed to heal? Like, what were the big ones for you? And I ask that because I kind of see laying out a little map in this next 10 minutes of what was this thing that you felt like you needed to heal? And then what were the things that were most effective for that mm. for you? So that if there's somebody else like watching this, they can be like, oh, I kind of have some stuff with that. And then they can say, she already walked this path. What yeah. worked for her? Oof, okay, I'm about to get Just super one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. I think the biggest thing that I had to own was fear of abandonment. Hmm. Yeah. There's and where did that come from? So many, so many situations. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was, I, so, okay, so I'm in Austin right now. I think you know. But uh, I used to live here with my dad, with my mom, and my biological dad. And yeah, we, one day my mom woke me up at like four in the morning and she said, we're leaving. And I say, like, okay, whatever. Got in the car, got on the plane, and I was back in Korea, just like that. Um, in that moment, I'm sure my mom had every reason to do whatever she needed to do. And I also took on the story and this paradigm that anyone that loves somebody can leave another person just at any point so I think that became kind of like a thing and then when I almost lost my mom when I was 17 um, that was also another moment I I think started to you know collect more evidence that story was true um, and then instead of dealing with all that I just kind of went through life uh, in my early 20s I drank and partied a bunch um, I think that was my way of moving through the pain that I didn't know how to deal with and I didn't really have resources. So, yeah, after, and then, you know, all that happened and um, when my dad passed away, he got cancer, my, my stepdad who I call dad, he got cancer and then he passed away after two and a half years of, you know, battling cancer, I think that became like another story for me. So it just became like one thing after another after another. And I started how did to... This, how did this show up for you? So this story of like, it's very common to get abandoned. How did that affect like your day-to-day? -day? It's like if someone else is watching this and they, they have like similar stories, but they're not sure of how it could be affecting them yet. What, what were some of the ways or what were situations that happened to you where you, because of this, things were changing? Yeah. Um, I think with my relationship with my mom for a while, it was just hard. Like I, it's like I love, I love her and I couldn't get too close to her. I would get scared, right? So instead of opening my heart, I feel like I would lash out or have anger. Um, I think it showed up definitely in some of my romantic relationships. And I would just get scared, you know? So, yeah. Um, that I started talking about like two years ago, more openly. <clears throat> and I remember the day I decided to do a Facebook Live about it, which was so freaking scary. Um, I thought that was like the end of me. My ego was like, nope, this is it. Like, no one's gonna ever talk to you again. And um, moving through that was really powerful. So I think to answer your question, one of the most important things is to be able to talk about it. For me, talking about it publicly was, you know, big step. 
but it allowed me to acknowledge it. It allowed me to be seen. It allowed me to remove the shame around it and then actually work through it. When you did talk publicly about it, what was the response from like your friends and... Just like anything else, it's scary, you know? You think that's the death of you. Like your ego's like, oh, this is it. Like you're over and they then... They all know. Yeah, they all know. You're, 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 you suck. And then, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it was very supportive. And so many people experience this on so many levels. Um, so yeah, I think over the last, one of the questions you asked is what did I do in the last three years is really talk, like get the courage to talk about it. Like right now I'm pretty uncomfortable talking about this again. Um, but it's way more comfortable than it was like the first time. This is probably like the 50th time, you know? So, Mm. yeah. And in my experience and what I'm hearing you say as well is, a lot of the times when we have these thoughts or fears or whatever and we don't vocalize them and we create that story that other people are going to think we're weird or not cool or you know abandon us because we're afraid of being abandoned those things right but then when we actually like say them out loud it's like everybody around you is like oh yeah me too and you're like wait what <laughs> they're like yeah yeah I'm, i got the same thing yeah and then you're like oh cool like i remember there was this one time my one of my really good friends jason goldberg who's actually been on the show twice i need to get him in for a third for sure we that's like my version of the random show is is jason and i and there was this one time i was having like a really really hard week or month maybe it was like 2018 and i flew home to la and i went out to dinner with him and i was like dude i just if it's okay, I just got to vent for like a couple minutes here. And I've got all these fears around like my business and like, am I good enough? And am I really the guy that can do this whole like fulfillment thing, all that stuff. Right. And I just kind of unloaded like all of my fears. And after I got done unloading, he just was like, me too, man. <laughs> all of that. Yes. And he, and then he called me the next day and he was like, I've never felt like we were close friends mm. until you did that. And I was like, whoa, like we actually deepened the friendship dramatically that day by me voicing those things to him. So it wasn't even necessarily about me having the opportunity to voice it, although that was beautiful, like you're saying, right? But seeing how everyone else like gravitates toward you once you opened up to that level of like, just saying like, hey, here's where I'm at. And then you realize like everybody is there too with you. Everyone's on a gradient, right? But like, I have the same abandonment stuff in my history. So it's like, oh, cool, we can both check that box together. And like, I get it, you know, it's not a big deal, right? So vocalizing it was a big deal for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think talking about it, because I think there's an element of you just owning it and you just being like, okay, this is who I am. And that's it. Mm. And there's nothing to really hide. Mm. So the more that you can do that, I think it builds your confidence. Um, it builds who you are. Um, it builds, yeah, just... You don't have to fake anything. Mm. Mm. If you're okay going down that road further, what was like another thing that you had to work through? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> Is it getting hot in here? Oh, it's so freaking hot. <clears throat> I'm like sweating. Um, let's see around my fears i mean well and specifically around what it took for you to feel comfortable putting this book out yeah 
Uh, so, okay, I know exactly what stopped me for a long time. I should probably know what chapter this is. I don't know right now, but, um, and this is something that I have been passionate about, but I've been so scared to talk about, which now I have talked about. But um, yeah, in my college days, I was, you know, for various reasons, we don't have to dissect all of it, but um, various reasons, there was a few months in my life where I was experiencing some kind of eating disorder. And it was really hard for me to talk about that for some reason, um, because I am already that person. A lot of people, for I, I'm not anymore, you know, it's been many, many years. When is that, 2006? So many years, but like, there was this idea that I, that would also be the end of me, right? My ego's like, oh, that's it, you're done. And that was really hard for me to talk about. Even though it's kind of funny because looking back, that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to go into psychology because I actually wanted to help that population, but I had this whole story that like I was too close to it or whatever. So long story short, I was really passionate about um, empowering women specifically with their body image and self-confidence. So anyway, uh, that's in the book. It like flew out of me. I like typed it and then I was like, oh heck no, <laughs> like, that is not going in the book. And then I talked to my book coach and Patrick's like, um, yeah, no, like this is why you're doing it, right? So I was like, okay. So I left it in there, but then I could not get myself to publish it for the life of me. Mm. And then everyone's like, what's wrong? Why aren't you, you know, why aren't you publishing? Is it the imposter syndrome? Is this fear of success, fear of failure? I'm like, not really. You know, it was just like this other layer of trying to be vulnerable. And I knew that was like my next layer. And I knew there was so much growth in it, but it was so freaking scary. And every time I would be like, okay, I'm ready to publish it. I would think of that chapter. I'm like, oh gosh, no, I can't do that. But you know, now that I've opened up about it, there's so many women who are like, yeah, me too. I've experienced that. That's so common. And even men, you know, so, um, for me, I've always had this vision that I get to be like the safe island for people. I see myself as like a place where people can come and they know that it's completely safe, it's completely sacred. And that is something that I'm so, so intentional about when it comes to my clients and hopefully, you know, everyone around me. And I, you know, create that space in different ways, you know, whether it's personal relationships or uh, within clients. But yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to create and the more I'm able to be vulnerable, I feel like it's so much easier to get there. You know, people come to me just by reading some of my social media posts or reading things around or, you know, videos or whatever. And they're like, Yuri, I feel like I know you so well. So it like instantly opens up these conversations that are really soul ignited and we can cut through all the BS. Yeah. Wow. So. I'd like to to kind of bring you to another interesting idea in my head is what are the what are the biggest most profound continual exercises that you use with clients to help them like open up to inspiration mm. and like happiness. So I know you use a lot of tools and a yeah. lot of different techniques and stuff, but what's what are like your favorites? Um, and preferably things yeah. we can do on our own. That sure, would be great. Yeah. I'd be happy to share. And I'm curious, is there like a specific thing or a specific 
situation so that we can, can talk I can give you about. some context sure. for what I'm selfishly okay. interested in. Okay. Which is like, okay, so let's say I'm sitting there and I'm writing, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Ooh, oh, I have a lot of questions actually that are coming up now. But Ooh, okay. let's say I'm writing and I'm putting together some vulnerable story where I'm trying to create a little more space on my island for people to jump on and I'm going to be more vulnerable so they can feel more safe and they have somewhere to know like they're not alone, right? Like you're describing. And I'm ser- I'm sharing some vulnerable story, but I'm, I don't have like quite that inspiration to like write it beautifully and with emotion. What could I do? What was an exercise you would give someone to do to like elicit more emotion to come through so that I feel um, like the writing comes very fluidly and inspired instead of logic? I mean, okay, so in that situation, it might be super obvious. And I think you do a lot of this, which is probably why you have a podcast on this. But, you know, honestly, just move your freaking body. Like, seriously, just get up, dance, um, get some sunlight. It's like mm-hmm. super simple, but like people don't think about doing some of these things. Um, Can you tell me why you think moving your body is important for inspiration? Like, what does that do for you? If you think about it right now and in the times where you've been really stiff and like locked in and you're like trying to sit down and write and you're like, ah, I feel so like, uh, like it's blocked yeah. and then you get up and dance. Like, what does that do for you? Well, let me ask you. So if you are feeling stuck, like, why do you think that? Like, what is that thing in mm-hmm. between that you are feeling stuck? Like, what do you think is the story there? Fatigue. Fatigue. Okay. It, I'm just thinking if it more recently like if i had a moment that i wasn't inspired which doesn't happen often now but it, <laughs> but it has in the past yes. then it would be like oh man i just really feel like a nap would would crush it right now then why aren't you taking a nap well that's the that's the whole thing right is there something else i could do other than take a nap in those well, situations well it's an actual question why aren't you taking a nap do you think in that moment i like, judge myself okay and what are you judging yourself on laziness okay what is that like judgment of laziness coming from not doing enough or being enough and is that masculine or feminine it's extremely masculine yeah so when you are able to move your body it is a little bit more feminine right Mm. you get to be playful you're moving the energy in your body so you're able to create that balance and kind of open up that other flow of energy. Typically, a lot of my clients who are more masculine embodied, they are coming from a place of like, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more so that I can do more, so that I can do more, so that <laughs> I can get to this one freaking goal, which, you know, works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, all you need is a nap. Like, allow yourself to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Why is that judgment there? Mm. I, I love how you just inceptioned me into that answer. <laughs> so if, if I could masculine this, if I were to make that a process for myself to do in the future, I would pretend Yuri was there and I would say, okay, I feel like I'm having trouble creating blank, whatever the thing I'm creating is or wanting to create is, or be in the moment even with someone, like run to the bathroom real quick, take out my phone and write this down as a note and be like, okay, I feel like I'm having trouble being present in the moment because, and I could say, because I feel tired and I feel like I wanna take a nap and I feel tired and I wanna take a nap because I'm being really hard on myself right now because I feel like these people are only here for a couple hours and I want to be really pleasant with them. So taking a nap is kind of the antithesis of what I'd like to be doing with them or creating something, right? And I feel that because I'm judging myself for being lazy, because I feel like I should be doing more, therefore 
because I'm even doing this whole process and those are the answers. Oh, this all goes in your mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you have to like yes. drop into that more feminine state. And yeah. that is that that like presence and acceptance and allowing. And that's why like probably do a check-in with yourself and be like, is my body really stiff? Because it probably is in mm -hmm. that scenario, right? Yeah. If I'm thinking that much and I'm in that state or right. if anyone is there, right? Yeah. They're pro you probably look at yourself and you're like, oh, oh, I'm like a robot right now. Yeah. And um, for you, okay, so let's dig into this idea of I need to do more. Why is that there? Because what? If you do more, what? What does that mean about you? Productivity. Okay, if you're more productive, then what does it mean about you? I'm a beast. If you're a beast, what does that mean about you? I am enough. And if you're enough, what does that mean about you? I am who I claim to be. And if you claim you are who you claim to be, what does that mean about you? I'm in integrity. And if you're in integrity, what does that mean about you? Um, that means... I think it's going to start to go in a circle. I, <laughs> okay. I am who I say I am, right? Um, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but mm -hmm. from my experience... I think a lot of us, we think we're doing all of this so that we can get to this one thing. And this is one of the words I mentioned earlier. I think we're all doing this for love. I think we just want to be loved yeah. for who no, we really are. No, that's true. You can put those words in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and this is something that you can think about. Um, I Okay. So you can call this like a freedom ritual or whatever ritual that you want to call it. But really... Okay, so in that moment, you're tired, you're not inspired. And like, if you can really dig deep and figure out like, how is it that you want to feel instead? And then like reverse engineer it. I'm talking to your masculine brain so that you can understand. <laughs> so you can I like reverse, the hand gesture too. <laughs> you can reverse like engineer it. it out. Yes. So maybe like if you can dig enough, like you want to feel like you're enough or you want to feel like you're loved and then you can reverse engineer it to create feeling of that first. And this is why I jump like 50 steps and not really explain it sometimes, but like to take a nap, to take a bath, like make yourself important, like create these rituals that allow you to feel absolutely loved that's within your control where it doesn't have to come from any kind of achievement, any kind of, you know, connection or love from other people even. And you can create that love and like nurture for yourself. And then when you feel that weirdly, all this energy opens up and you start to feel inspired. And of course, like you can, you know, use the support of people around you, your mentors, coaches, whatever, um, to support you in that process. But at the end of the day, the person who's going to feel loved is you. It's nobody else. Mm. Yeah. So on the flip side of this, let's say I'm in a state where I'm like creating, 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 but I'm not getting anything done. And I'm trying to figure out like, okay, I need to figure out like a strategy. Like I'm doing all these things and I'm, I'm feeling great but there's no like real progress being made and i've i've got to i've got to have some sort of progress because of like real life things so for sure. example like bills or sure. whatever it is right so if i'm if i'm in that more like if we could call it feminine leaning side mm -hmm. and i'm in the opposite position what what can i do there okay so your problem is that you want to get your bills done or something right so let's say i i set a deadline for writing a book and getting a certain part of the manuscript over at a certain date and i'm like constantly in the state of creation and, and i am feeling great but i'm also noticing there's no way i'm going to get it done by the deadline that we all agreed on 
um, and it's going to be like way behind, what can I do on a day-to-day basis if I'm like, I need to get a little more strategic sure. and I'm, I'm having trouble accessing that part of my abilities? Yeah. And I think it does come from a balance. So when I say tap into your feminine, I don't mean just play there and live there all the time. That's going to create a huge imbalance. Now I'm curious if you do continuously find yourself in this like stuck mode, which I'm not saying you do, but if you were to, um, what are the daily habits that's happening at the same time to create the structure which is the more of the masculine structure right so that will actually support just like in a relationship if you're able to create that structure for yourself that will actually support more of the creative flow so just like brushing your teeth right you know hopefully you brush your teeth every day because you know that that's good for you right so you can create like a list of things that you know is good for you plug it in like so that it's automated so that all the other things that gets to flow gets to flow now if you do feel like i need to get into the flow of writing you don't always have to put that in your schedule like as a i mean you can i guess but um but do something that mimics that flow like if you're like okay i need to sit down be creative and write and that's what's gonna help me get there, then create some kind of habit where you sit down and you write for 30 minutes so you you get to remember, you get to remind your body what that even feels like. Mm. So it doesn't even have to be the thing that you're writing to put it in that schedule. But for me, like, um, I haven't done it in like a week, but like I'm really pretty consistent with uh, my social media posts. And even if I'm not, I'm constantly journaling. I'm doing some kind of creative writing because it just allows me to like practice being in that velocity of creative process. So yeah, I think that's something that you can, you know, um, incorporate if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of brings me to another point is like these rituals, right? So you're saying like writing is a ritual and you do it in many different ways, whether it's journaling or social media or writing for an actual book, right? So you can remember that feeling. You've also mentioned to me before that I think would be really beneficial to talk about your goddess Sundays, right? Yes. So for you to be able to cultivate that like feminine energy that you want in your life, you started this whole series of things and i'm now as you're saying all this other context thinking about how i can create rituals for all sorts of things in my life like you just reminded me like of course i brush my teeth every morning and every night sure because oh yeah (laughs) because i know it's good for me and i know like it's it takes two three minutes right so then i'm like oh okay if i want to do anything i can create little rituals around it so could you share a little bit about what your process is for like cultivating that feminine energy in your life yeah and really quickly i want to answer that and um this is something that i this is a framework i love actually is by tony robbins and it's the four classifications of behavior so i do want to let you know like there's things that don't that are not good for you that don't feel good that are just not good for you and the community and the world around you that's level four what's an example of that um, that would be negative thinking, that would be complaining, that would be drugs, that would be anything that's actually not even good for you, but you continue to do it knowing that it's mm-hmm. not good so for you. So it hurts you, it hurts the people around you, it hurts the environment, like that's the classification? Right. Got it. And then there's things that feel good, but it's not good for you. It's not good for anyone around you because it's not good for you, mm. and therefore it's not good for the world. A lot of people get stuck there, right? Like a lot of the drinking habits or... Um, it's harder to kick those, right? Because it feels good immediately, you know, sugar, whatever, you know. Keto white chocolate. Right. 
And then there's um, level two, which is it, it's not gonna feel good in the beginning, but it is good for you. And therefore it's good for people around you and good for the world around you. Now to go from level three to level two is where a lot of people struggle, right? Because that's when you really have to like just create that habit, even though it doesn't feel good. And then level one would be, it feels can, good. Can we talk about what would be an example of uh, like a level three habit moving to a level two one? Yeah. What would be a, a hard example of that? Um, it could be starting to run starting to do yoga starting to meditate like it doesn't mm -hmm. feel good let's be mm -hmm. honest like i love meditation now but so as do you an remember? example yeah it could be like instead of watching a 30 minute netflix show <laughs> as a level three habit it's good for me it's kind of Is good it? for the people of netflix right well it could be good for me because it puts me in a better frequency or state right if it's like ted lasso right so then but if I'm not doing these other level two habits, because I'm assuming, right, if you're if most of your life is level one and level two, it's okay to have level three and maybe it's not okay to have level four, but don't judge yourself too hard on level four if it does happen, right? Because then that could lead more things to level four if you are really tough on yourself. But so if level three is watching Netflix, level two would be saying for that same 30 minutes, I'm gonna run for 15 minutes and stretch for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, is that mm -hmm. a fair example? Um, so I think it's okay. It's not okay. That's kind of black and white thinking. I don't think okay. it's about being okay or not okay. Um, yes, of course, no one is perfect, but I think it's just a framework where it helps you optimize your habits and understand where you are. Of course, if you have zero to very few level four um, habits or um, behaviors, that's ideal, to be mm -hmm. honest, right? Do you have any level four habits and of behaviors? Course, what do you have? Course. What are yours? Um, <laughs> coffee. Actually, coffee I don't know. Is coffee not, is good yeah, for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Um, coffee is good for you, so that's probably like level one. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, like I think I do get into like a state of overthinking at times and, um, and I do catch myself. Um, yeah. Oh, I like, think. so complaining to yourself about yourself? Not even complaining, but I think I just go into this like loop of overthinking certain things in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's definitely present. Um, so then when you catch yourself doing that and you use this framework, you're like, oh, you know, I'm overthinking. How do you, what, what's the process to move that to level three? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, um, I have a few things. So sometimes I'll ask for support from my friends and I'll be literally like, Hey, do you, can I vent for five minutes? Mm. And then I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I'm complete. And then I, you know, it's acknowledging that it's there. I'm not making it good or bad. I'm giving space and time for it. And sometimes I'll just journal it or, just scream it in my car or do weird things but wow. um i do create space for that overthinking to take place and then over time hopefully i'm just like reducing the time in that state and hopefully like minimizing it um yeah so that's something i do awesome yeah beautiful so, you've seen this i'm like i'm gonna be mm -hmm. mad for three seconds okay okay cool mm -hmm. let's go <laughs> okay so then level two is i'm just remembering it's good for me and it's good for the people around me. Level two, it doesn't feel good. Oh, oh. But it's good for you. It's good for um, people around you, and therefore it's good for the world. So it's like organic, sustainable wheatgrass shots. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But it's good for me. Yeah. And then level one is it actually feels good. It's good for you. It's good for the people around you and good for the world. Mm. So what I'm saying is what I typically tell my clients is like go going from level four or three and then moving to level two is the hardest part right because 
it doesn't feel good. When I started doing yoga, it sucked. <laughs> I was horrible. I couldn't even touch my toes. When I started running, it sucked. I, I hated it. When I started working out, it sucked. Hated it. But then over time, you start to internalize the benefits of it and it actually becomes level one. And then that's when it's fun. And that's、mm. where a lot of fulfillment lies. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Give me a hack. Let's say I decide to create a new habit, like you just mentioned. So let's say. Declare it. What are you doing? For the next 21 days.、Mm, can, I, can I make like a fake one? Because I feel like mine are pretty good. <laughs> but I'll, I'll、sure. pretend to be like an audience、yeah. member. So let's say I don't work out currently.、Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want to go to a gym because it's intimidating, but maybe I could go for a, like a walk jog, like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. And I want to start that habit. I've tried before and it's tough. How can I, is there some way where I can do that easier? Like, what, what could help me get through the pain faster to internalize it, like you said, and turn it into a level one? Is there any way to speed that process up? I mean, I think sometimes we just have to commit. I think、um, the two things that come to mind is courage and commitment. When you're switching from level three to two, if you think that you want to minimize pain, that's already not、mm. a way to think about it. Like, you get to acknowledge it's not going to be fun. It's not, and that's why I think this framework is powerful because you get to say, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to feel good. Let's acknowledge that and let's lead with our best self, knowing that it's going to help us. Yeah. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Just Beautiful. like really just committing.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think、uh, I told you, or I mean, it's in the book, but there was a moment、um, I moved here when I was 11 years old from Korea. And there was a moment that I decided I wanted to learn English.、Um, Oh, and you didn't speak English. I didn't speak English. Oh,、yeah. at 11. Yeah. That's like sixth grade. Yes. And this、That's、is a、rough. whole different thing I can talk about. Did you go into a Korean speaking school or like a normal English yeah, American normal school? Yeah, English, yes. And you did not speak English. Right. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. That's yes. a tough age for like normal、yeah. people. So, wow. Yeah. So I was the awkward ESL kid with overalls. And, um, I mean, this is actually a good story. I remember I walked into a bathroom one day and there were these girls.、Um, and I could, like, I was at the point where I could understand it, but I couldn't really speak English.、Mm-hmm. And、um, there was, like, kind of a gross stall in there. And these two girls, like, two pretty American girls, walk in. They look, open the door, they look at the stall, and they're like, ew. That was probably one of the, in quotes, retarded ESL kids. And I was an ESL kid. So, Yeah, that really angered me. So,、um, yeah,、Aww. I started, I was like, okay, I'm so committed based on that anger, which is a whole different conversation. But based on that anger, it was like committed and courage, like all that took place. And I was like, I'm just going to get through this next month and I'm going to read 30 books. And I just made it happen and it helped me get through that phase. At 11. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So I feel like there's a moment where you're going to shift and you just have to make that decision. It doesn't matter. What it takes. Have you ever considered at, as an adult trying to do 30 books in 30 days? No. That sounds tough. <laughs> Even for us, yeah. that's a l o t Well, I was、tough. reading like Babysitter's Club, so it was、like、a little shorter. Yeah, and but entertaining. It, wasn't, it was in a language I didn't understand. That'd be like me reading 30 books in Spanish right now, which would be just crazy. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. 11. But I also had nothing else to do, you know? I mean, yeah, it also sounded like <laughs> at that point.、No、<laughs> and, and at that point, right, you were living, and this is another amazing thing about children is like you were living with all of the trauma and all of the issues that 
eventually built up to the point where you wrote the book and then needed to heal all of even more of that and you had already done so much but even more of that to be able to release the book right but the the 11 year old version of yourself had all of that energy and it's amazing that kids it's like for whatever reason they have this ability to like compartmentalize that trauma until later it's like mm. a time bomb right yeah. and then we all wake up and we're 27 and we're like oh god <laughs> yes it's affecting my life in so many ways yeah totally it's all unconscious <laughs> yeah. and then one day we're like oh, oh no yes yeah. yeah wow yeah so that happened but going back to your question of goddess sundays this is something that i took on from one of my um, coaches last year and she was actually my first female coach which was a huge step for me because I recognize that I have been pretty I know no one believes me but like I have been pretty masculine driven for a long time meaning I was very much achievement oriented and um, just you know wanted to be in the doing so learning about this other side of doing business and doing work was really powerful so one of the things I really took on was I get to be, um, I get to create a sacred Sunday, Goddess Sundays, where you just, I just get to like, just be in my feminine unapologetically. And that takes anything from, you know, chilling in my laundry and my robe all day, or taking a bath, or going to my favorite place in nature, or reading, um, just doing pleasure oriented things, whatever that means. So, and just really like allowing myself to celebrate that side of me, it's been really, really powerful beautiful and then i get to start monday feeling like so in my body just like so excited and that like radiance and that liveliness comes through mm. yeah when you said you hired that first female coach is this the big thing that she worked with you on like cultivating this habit that was one of them she mm. was more of like a wealth mindset coach and mm. um that and what she really focuses on is like the female leadership how that can be very very much different and it was like learning like magic for me i'm like what do you mean i can do less and get more that makes no sense <laughs> because i always thought you just do more to get more but mm. then uh you know napoleon hill talks about this too in his think and grow rich book where there's two different kinds of creativity there's like the um, you know, the 2D creativity where you just do and it's based on what's in your brain and then there's a whole other type of creativity where it's coming from source and, you know, you're doing less technically, you're sitting there meditating, but you're also downloading a lot of these information. I think women um, specifically, no offense, I think we do have like a magical power to do that as long as we take care of our physical vessel. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How long... Uh when you said like going from level three to level two so creating this goddess sundays ritual for women right is did that follow the same pattern that you mentioned before where you're like this is this is gonna be tough for me to like sit in a bath or was it immediately like oh i'm so excited to oh do these i things? hated baths baths really? sucked because it just took too long it or? took too long it's a waste of water it's a waste of time it's a waste of candles it's a waste of all the things um, but that's coming from a very limited mindset. Um, and I'm like, why? Okay, well, on the flip side, why would I do that? It's because to intentionally celebrate myself, to connect with joy, to connect with this idea of celebration and making it okay and making it fun. Um, so yeah, it became like an intentional thing. But yeah, for the first few times, I mean, I've never taken a bath in my life until <laughs> until last year pretty much whoa yeah whoa so 
far like hard right turn here because I want to bring it to this other topic that I really think will be valuable. We've talked a lot about and at Jackson Hole at the Avengers Summit, you led us through a meditation of these different emotional frequencies, right? So like from what's negative eight? Um, shame. Shame. So yes. that's like the lowest one that we worked on. We're, it's a very tough emotion. A lot of people avoid it. I avoid it definitely, right? <laughs> All the way to positive eight. Mm -hmm. What was positive eight? Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we worked through uh, 16, right? Or 17 if you count zero, right? Because that's courage. Sure. Courage, commitment. Yeah. So there's 17 different words that we kind of worked through. Let's have like a like a little round table, even though this is a rectangular table, talk <laughs> about like those emotions um, and the whole spectrum of them. So for instance, with shame, right? And then what's right above shame? Guilt. Shame, guilt. And then what's right above guilt? Apathy. Wow. Okay. Those. That's yeah. a good start. So shame to guilt to apathy is like escalating upwards in um, who, what was the name of the guy again? Who uh, originally? David Hawkins. David Hawkins. Right. And then you've kind of like gotten inspired from that to create this whole other process that it seems like you're building right now. And um, at some point, maybe we'll be able to share that spreadsheet as like an opt-in for your thing so mm -hmm. people can see like this really cool interface that you've built for people to work through with these emotions. But when it comes to like shame, guilt, and apathy, and you're working with your clients or working with yourself, what's your process for getting them to open up about those emotions? Because to my knowledge, if you don't open up about those emotions, they will not go away. Like you can, like the eating disorder that you mentioned, every time you thought about releasing the book, you just kept being like, that's too shameful, right? That I feel, it's probably shame, right? It's probably mostly yeah. shame. And you're like, I'm just too ashamed of that. I just can't share it, right? So it just stays and it gets tucked further and further away in the corner of your emotions in your mind, right? What's a way, because it's really tough for people to talk about those things. And even if they're confronted, even if you know the thing, it's hard for them to talk about it. Is there some sort of process or way that you help people acknowledge shame and make it feel like it's okay to share it? Yeah, I think not just shame, but with every emotion, um, there's the light and the shadow side. And I think acknowledging that is really powerful because it neutralizes it. You know, in my coaching calls, I'm always going through breakthroughs and breakdowns on every single call because I want people to, at the end of, um, you know, a few weeks or um the 12 weeks coaching like what they realize is that there's actually no difference right so you um by looking at both the light and the shadow part of shame or every emotion you just neutralize it's like, oh it's like you know um i think tuesdays with mori they talk about this like tucking on on an old shirt and just pulling it out and like having no feelings against it or around it so for me, um, shame is something that, I mean, I think Brene Brown talks about this too. Shame is something that is gonna happen naturally to everybody unless you're like a psycho, literally, and you don't feel shame ever. So by acknowledging, actually appreciating shame and saying, wow, I'm a, I'm a healthy vessel for emotions, yay. Then like a, a portion of that like charge gets to be released, mm. like thanking it first, acknowledging it. What's the example of light and shadow around shame? Um, that's it. Like to shame when there's shame around. So for example, okay, I have shame around the story about eating disorders. I get to say, cool, I have shame. <laughs> 
that's cool because that means I have healthy range of emotions. Like, can I be okay with that? Can I acknowledge that part? Um, and then moving into the shadow aspect for my clients, um, because of the create the safe space that I create, and I think this could happen with anybody, um, but allowing them creating like a really safe sacred space where they know and feel so deeply that they're not going to be judged there's absolutely no judgment um they get to talk about it for the first time and i see it as just practice Mm -hmm. and they don't know that sometimes i'm like i'm the first of many people you're going to tell but this is your practice and then they get to release some of that and just verbalizing it alone can be really powerful um i do think that it does take special containers for people to really really feel safe Mm. um so yeah i mean it's not anything that special really it's Mm -hmm. just like really seeing humans for who they are and just loving them and just dropping any human like judgment around it and it just comes through um yeah i know it sounds very simple but it kind of is to be honest yeah i smell what you're cooking so (laughs) in that sense is there ever a point in the journey with a client where and, and the answer could be no is there ever a point in that journey where you're like okay we've done so much good work and or yet we've never talked about like their their shame their guilt their at they've never like wanted to to discuss those things and you've kind of worked through so many beautiful things but they're still hitting a glass ceiling and you know they've like not yet been able to acknowledge those things is there ever a time with them where you're like maybe we should or do you just always wait for them to bring it up yeah i think there's moments um trying to think of an example so your question is if they're like doing really well you've got all these like level one level two habits and they've got the others but mostly level one level two right and they're really positive people but they're hitting a ceiling and they don't quite know why and they're doing like the masculine feminine and they're harmonized with that but you've never looked at this shame guilt apathy like the negative range of emotion and they have not acknowledged it in sessions or with anyone that they love and care about to your knowledge yeah is there a time where you're like you explain that and you're like can we go there Mm -hmm. is that something that you feel is necessary for people to evolve yeah so i think that is why i go through the breakthroughs and breakdowns typically what happens in seven days is what's happening in your life it's kind of a reference point so even if it I don't always have to go like dig deep intentionally. Sometimes I do, but just based on what happened in the last seven days, I can probably tell you and lead you to like what is the root of that. So it usually just comes up during that. And then, you know, of course, some of the sun babies, um, they're like, wait, no, I just had a great week and everything's great. And like, no suffering. And then in those moments, I get to say, okay, let's just balance this out. There's nothing right or wrong about it. What are the potential breakdowns that's happened? And then we get to go deeper. And so, yeah, in those moments, I do go deeper. But typically, everything comes out when we go through the breakthroughs and breakdowns from the last seven days. And got it, got it. So just if like I a sample to, size. Yeah, if I were to create a journaling practice around this whole podcast episode and conversation, one of the things I would do is 
my levels of habits, right? And then I would do my breakthroughs and breakdowns for seven days. And then all the breakthroughs and the breakdowns, I could kind of maybe, this is very masculine to me, but I could categorize them. And then I could kind of draw maps to like deeper things that all of those come from, right? So like, oh, made a ton of money. That goes to like my abundance habits that I've built over the years and like my ability to allow, my ability to create the things that I want. But my fatigue when I'm trying to be inspired comes from my inability to like just purely like get in that playful oh, energy. I'm getting right? really like... <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of structure energy. a lot of structure that's all great yeah. and i'm I, obviously i appreciate structures and i think it allows me to translate what i do to the logical side of the brain and the, i think that's powerful that's needed and you can draw 50 million maps but if you don't feel through it you're not going to shift it mm-hmm. um so for me instead of doing all of the mapping what i typically do is we go straight to it tell me about it dig deeper can you you know i had a client who um was dyslexic or is dyslexic he was so shameful about it Mm. so shameful and he recognized that because of that he wasn't confident enough when he wanted to ask for promotions or do other things build different side businesses and we just really had to like allow him to see the gifts and the his dyslexia and how much what is like what was the light and the shadow okay you've been focusing on the shadows so we'll just leave that alone for a second let's talk about like how has it shaped you who you are because you're actually amazing you're already whole you're already beautiful you're already perfect so let's talk about that like your life is pretty awesome and then he's like but there's nothing that dyslexia brought me to me i'm like are you sure so then we dig deeper and then when he can really connect to how beautifully it allowed him to be exactly who he is what are some examples you know because of his dyslexia he became a very hard worker he had to work harder he had to read more books he had to take more time but because of that he's very detail oriented he's he has amazing um work ethics and he's really respected he has integrity with himself so these are beautiful things that you know came from his dyslexia and then when he was able to see that he's like whoa i don't have to hide this thing anymore well i don't have to hate on this thing anymore so i'm gonna appreciate the gifts in it and the shames you know simultaneously starts to fall away because now he's witnessing himself for the first time in that he's also being witnessed by me or you know whoever he shares it with in that moment it was with me and yeah the shame just disappeared it usually disappeared in um, a form of tears and yeah in that moment like that shift happened and i think this is the thing that i get really excited about my framework is that I think there's many different ways to heal and I'm 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 not saying I'm like a super duper trauma expert in every single modality and I think all of them are beautiful in different ways and especially for deeper 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 trauma um I know that there's different somatic things that you can do I do think that there is a way and I've seen this over and over again in my clients is that there you can like shift it instantly because to be honest any kind of transformation does happen in a moment in a millisecond um, even if you're doing the somatic work, even if you've been working on it for 10 years, there's going to be that moment where it just switches. So my intention is that we get to that point as soon as possible and we kind of like do the switch. Um, 
and this is the framework that I teach is that if you're able to see that because of shame, enlightenment, enlightenment can exist or joy can exist or peace can exist. Um, and if you're able to like see the opposite of it and see that because this exists, that exists, then you can kind of just choose into it. Um, so for example, there's, um, things like negative three or negative four there's anger mm. i love this energy of anger because it's so such a cool energy i love anger i don't love anger but like i like the idea of it because when people are angry what is the gift in that you get to hyper focus you get to create an outcome really fast it drove me to read 30 books i mean if i didn't have that anger as an engine i don't think i would have and a lot of times it is harder for people well it's a whole different mm. discussion I, I just like visualized like a, a drawing we could commission that could be really beautiful as um i've got my mom wants to create an etsy company on about the show mm. and she wants to take like the favorite concepts or quotes from the show and put it on like some of my photography or on like a shirt and like sell those things yeah. and i just visualized this one that i'll say here which is like <laughs> you just said like anger is an engine and then i went oh it just triggered this whole thing of we could make all of those 17 emotions and we could draw different engine transport Cars. things of them. <laughs> yeah. So like the anger engine could be like a chariot with like bowls at the front. <laughs> and that's Rawr. totally right. And think about how cool that could be to see like the whole spectrum in like one image yeah. of like all the different engines of the different emotions and what they kind of feel like. <laughs> I think yeah. that'd be really yeah. beautiful and cool. And like, yeah, yeah. I, I could make it so concrete yeah totally so yeah anger is such a powerful engine like when you're angry you do things that you didn't know you could do like reading 30 books in a month in a language you don't know um and though all anger will do is at max take you to a point of a blank canvas like after i was done like i didn't have more engine because i didn't have a vision i didn't have a dream i didn't have anything else i was gonna push me anymore i was like mm. okay learn english cool that's <laughs> it right um so a lot of times we move you know um we take massive action because of these you know emotions so i guess what i'm saying is on the opposite side of that equally powerful is this um, optimism and willingness and that's also really powerful if you can activate that engine however you're being pulled towards a vision and a dream versus just trying to eliminate the pain that this anger whatever is causing so if you can see that visualize that you can say oh i and a lot of people keep anger because it's such an engine like they stay angry because it actually has a lot of benefits it pushes them it makes them take lots of action they become super successful um, also fear right but after which they, one is fear where's that is that uh, five negative five yeah i think like negative five yeah okay so then and I think that's why a lot of, you know, as your show says, a lot of people who are successful oftentimes don't know what to do after they've hit that point because it's like, okay, I've anger and fear and all these things got me here. But then like, now what? What do I really want? And that's where people get to like really create and design like what it is that they want. Mm. So... I guess what I'm saying is by looking at this format, you're able to see that law of polarity, there's equal amount of energy and power in staying in that abundant mindset and accessing willingness as an engine, as long as you have something being pulled towards it. 
so then they're like oh so i can let go of this anger and you're saying i can still continue to be successful if i can create a vision that's big enough and strong mm. enough where it's gonna still have that engine okay so then maybe i'll let go of that and mm. try this on so yeah does it work pretty seamlessly with people when they do that or is that a process sometimes it's a process i think it's practice just like the classification of behavior sometimes and that's why we go through it over and over and over again and they get to mm. see it from different angles they get to try it in different situations um yeah and sometimes it is instant yeah yeah for whatever reason the the analogy that's coming to me is like fighters so when you look at like a, a very good fighter who's who's very good and we're, let's just break it into movies here and just representations or avatars a lot of movies, but go on yeah. well it's like uh let's say you watch a movie like ip man which is about this like legendary the teacher of bruce lee um okay who is like incredible <laughs> and he's a legend right and when he would fight someone, like in one of the movies, he fights um, like this Marine sergeant, right? Who's a very angry person, who's very good and very fast. And Ip Man is like super calm, like like very close to enlightenment as a character, right? And he's like, all of his movements are very calm, so he can last a really long time and he'll move around things as opposed to moving towards to damage things. He's always like moving around the things, which is kind of how I'm visualizing the experience of these emotions because also as we said earlier in this in this show like all the emotions are positive really right because it's the dynamic range you have to experience emotion and it's if not you, positive nor negative right yes. <laughs> they're all they're all um part of being human yes. right yes. they're all part of your experience and if we lock out part of these emotions then it's some of the experience that's not experienced and some sure. of the engines that you're not using to to move Right, where if you can use all the engines, you have more total power in life, right? And what I'm what I'm kind of like seeing that as now to, to help people understand this idea and maybe what could benefit them is like by experiencing all of those engines, you tend to move closer and closer to the positive ones faster, right? So you will experience shame, but because you've experienced shame and vocalized shame more and more, it's not as shameful like shame actually kind of changes it's mm -hmm. it's hold over you right like the feeling of shame doesn't overcome you and paralyze you anymore mm -hmm. it's like oh gosh i feel really ashamed of that thing that i did let me tell that person i feel ashamed yeah like when we were in jackson hole and i had an experience during the visualization exercise where i wanted to like cry and scream during this visualization not at anybody it wasn't directed at a person it was just the experience i was having and I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then I told everyone, hey, like I didn't do that because I thought I would feel pretty shameful. And I thought I would feel guilty about interrupting all of your experiences. Yeah. And then everybody was like, oh, we wish you would have done that. It would have been great. And I'm like, perfect. I vocalized it. Everyone accepted it and was like, no, that actually would have been great if you did that. Now that shame was, was I don't know, I kind of see it's like I poked the balloon, mm -hmm. right? And then the balloon like moved that energy from shame to not enlightenment but what's one of the positive ones that maybe that moved to peace joy willingness optimism, yeah reason yeah sure. optimism yeah right so in the future i'm like oh i could just do that thing and everyone would appreciate it. so i could feel the shame in the moment and then do it anyways and then everyone's like wow that was so powerful that you did that what happened to you and then it would be yeah. joy yeah i mean i acknowledge you because one thing that i've noticed is that be probably because you meditate um even if you do experience these emotions, I see that you don't really get into a place of triggered state 
where a lot of people can and do. Um, What's the difference there, by the way? So like if I were to get into a triggered state versus what I do do, I said do do, <laughs> I said do do. What, what's the difference? Like what would be the, the hallmarks for yeah, understanding? Because I guarantee the person that's in the triggered state is not necessarily going to understand. But if you're with someone, how can we define those two differences? Being non-triggered versus triggered? Yeah. Like if I'm dealing with someone and I'm like, maybe they're triggered or maybe they're not. I mean, sometimes it's really obvious, right? But sometimes it's subtle. Yeah. I guess, first of all, I, there's nothing wrong with being triggered. It's just like you're going to probably experience that physiological difference in your body, right? Mm-hmm. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this. You enter into this place of survival. So mm-hmm. you think there's only one solution. If that solution is not being met, you go into this like place of fight, flight, or freeze. So your body goes into this state of like you're, you're getting stressed out and your heart might be beating faster, maybe whatever. All those mm-hmm. things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, um, yeah, does I answer your question? Yes, I think so. So then, um, I think one of the most important things, and this has been the biggest practice for me, of course, I'm not perfect. And, um, just like in, so what I do with the client's work is that like creating the safe space. And that's great because we come with the intention to kind of move through that. However, on a day to day, if this is something that people wanted to, practice is to first recognize when you are triggered based on these hidden emotions of shame guilt apathy fear anger all of those things and um and this is where like the ritual comes in right like to acknowledge first of all like okay uh, i think the power of being able to vocalize what emotion you're feeling is that it actually decreases of that emotion and the intensity of it so if you're able to say okay like this is coming from a place of shame and then um you can like, okay, I'm feeling shame right now. How do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And then like create that space to like acknowledge it, like calm down, go do something, like break the pattern, like go dance, move, whatever you get to do. And then say, okay, what do I want to feel instead? And then you can start to reverse engineer it and then like create the you know set of actions that will allow you to stay, stay in that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. I have a really fun sun baby question now. Yes. So moving up that chain, let's say we are at courage. So you finished your 30 books in 30 days and you're like, yes, I have a grasp over English now. (laughs) How, when we find we're in that place of courage, what's the fuel to move us up the ladder? Where, what's the, what's the engine look like and how can we turn that engine on and and move? What are some tips or tricks for that? Yes. Um, to be honest, it took me 10 years. (laughs) So, um, I'm not saying it's gonna for everybody. I didn't even know that was happening, but a lot of times when that pain is gone, um, we stop, right? Like for Mm -hmm. me, I did become a little stagnant for a little bit and then like that anger got activated and then I did more overachieving things, but like it was still based on that paradigm. Um, so once you're able to like, if you're able to see that, when you're able to see that really just sitting down and like creating like creating a vision Mm -hmm. um and this is really hard because if you've been practicing living in the scarcity fear-based mindset all you know is how to eliminate pain how to eliminate anger or how to just feel okay so a lot of people don't tap into this place of creation 
and it takes practice. I think this is for me where yoga and meditation has been extremely powerful because it literally calms down your body first. It changes the structure of your brain so that you can actually, you know, have less like stress induced feelings in your body or stress induced like you know um symptoms in your body so that's been really powerful for me and then like continuously practicing being creative and i think this is why it's so important to have some kind of ritual to whether doing creative writing do different things and we were talking about this earlier doing anything that pulls you out of that survival mode like and i think this is important this is why play is so powerful this is why trying new things is really powerful because it's creating these like new neural pathways that where you can literally start to be like oh i've never been there before but it doesn't even matter what it is because now you're in like the velocity of creation so just like practicing that is really helpful. So for me, I, for a while, like I was in like on a roll of trying all these different things. You know, I would try acro yoga. Um, I would try painting. I would try learning new dances, like anything and everything that felt new was helping me stay in that state. Mm. Wow. Okay. I feel like that's, I want to like just reiterate that one more time. So it's really clear if you're in a place where you've moved out of pain but you're having trouble envisioning like what pleasure to move towards or what dream to move towards instead of like worrying about the dream and you're like i'm unclear i don't have clarity i don't have clarity right you can allow yourself to be like maybe i just need to play like a lot more and just set side time like at least at least once a day for like 15 yeah. 30 minutes or more <laughs> right yeah. to just play yeah and play with anything anything that's interesting yeah. right to you and i think when you live in the survival mode long enough you actually forget what true pleasure feels like and then you start to have shame around having pleasure and this is i think why for me it was really hard for me to tap into this place of taking baths and doing a lot of self-care stuff that i do now because i didn't even know that pleasure was a okay my body had forgotten what that really even feels like so i think this is why these self-care practices are really powerful um because when you're taking a bath your body like actually starts to remember what it actually feels like when you're being intentional about the pleasure when you're being intentional about the relaxation that you get to feel and it's almost like a gift to yourself and it's reconditioning your body to be like oh okay so now you have like a sensation in your body that your body wants more of mm. and you're literally creating that reward system so you're like okay makes sense for me to do more of this even though i'm not moving away from pain anymore because this feels so yummy and mm. delicious and that's interesting right so it's like at the at the most uh primal level we experience lots of pain and some pleasure in our lives right and then as we evolve through that, we're like, you know, I don't want to experience as much pain. So I'm going to move away from pain to neutrality, right? And just get my life to like neutral. And then it takes us that whole other journey to say, okay, now I want to go from neutral to like pleasure on a regular basis. And each one of those places have totally different mindsets, totally different sets of habits, mm -hmm. to potentially totally different friends, mm -hmm. right? Friend groups yeah. and people you surround yourself with or yeah. boundaries or the types of conversation, like for my family, right? The types of conversations that we've had over the years have changed dramatically, still mm -hmm. very connected to all of them. 
but they all know there's only certain types of conversations that I will generally participate in. So they just won't involve me in some of the other ones because they're like, oh, it's not really a skip conversation. You know, if it's like talking about like politics and just like rapping and like being angry about things or like he's just going to walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's super interesting. So then I feel like it'd be really beneficial for all the people watching if we were to just kind of go back and forth and just throw things on top of a pile of what they could try that could be pleasurable for them. Sure. So like me coming from like, and, and we can both add like for men and for women, like things that they could try. But maybe if we just start remembering like all the things that we've tried to do that could be pleasurable and they could try them. Cause I remember being in a place where I was like, I don't know what I could play with. I don't know what could be pleasurable. And it took me years to figure that out. So this might shorten that time period by years for people for just anything that triggers you in a good way, anything that's like, oh, that could be really fun for me and could be pleasurable. These are some things you could try. So for Yuri, it's a bath. Now about the bath, right? It's not just the bath that you're doing, right? You're doing other things around the bath, like you're doing candles. Are you reading in the bath or are you just soaking? Is it a bubble bath? Are there salts? Bubble bath sometimes. Um really just depends like whatever feels good Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing i lead with and to be honest in the beginning i used to judge that a lot probably because i was in this paradigm of scarcity and fear base i'm like that sounds too too over the top yeah like Mm -hmm. feeling good like that's really what we're Mm -hmm. prioritizing pampering yourself too much yeah Mm -hmm. um and so getting comfortable with that Uh, was a big shift um so yeah whatever feels good right yeah so i do something called network chiropractic so i'm not a big like pop my joints person so network chiropractic is like i call it spiritual chiropractic where they like barely Mm -hmm. touch you and they'll talk about your emotions and they'll ask you questions based on how your body is looking that kind of help you work through some of these emotions so i find for like as a as a pretty masculine character, this is like a, an easy way for me to do emotion stuff because they're kind of calling me out based on what my body is saying. So it's not like talk therapy so much and they're adjusting my body. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a twofold physical, emotional, maybe a little bit of a spiritual experience because I'll meditate while I wait as well. And it takes 15 minutes. So it's really simple. And I, I go twice a week, sometimes three so that's like a really regular thing for me. MMA, mm-hmm. I have a boxing bag mm-hmm. and I have wraps and mm-hmm. I will just go in and allow myself because that's tough sometimes because like it's not necessarily physically good for me um, based on what I know in the dojo. Like it does damage my joints. So, but it's really fun. Mm. So I'll be like, okay, I'll do like 10 minutes and I'll set like a timer or I'll put on like two songs and I'll allow like 10 minutes if I can do whatever I want. I used to train really hard. So for me, it's it's really pleasurable. Yeah. What are some other things for you? I mean, I, I do want to say this. What's mm. coming up for me, and don't have to take this on, just a reflection, is that that just seems still very like pain-driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what would it look like for you to like literally just be in pleasure, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I know... Um, yeah, I know still a lot of males. Oh, yeah, so in network, right? Yeah. They're, like, kind of massaging you, right? And it's twice a week, so it's really often. And for me, that's, like, a whole thing. So maybe this is moving away from pain still, but it's, like, to allow someone else to just heal me okay, twice yeah. a week. Yeah. And it's a year-long, like, when you sign up, it's a year. Okay, beautiful so for me like yeah that's like your energetic massage yeah still it's like every time i go in and lay down i'm like i kind of want to leave 
Yeah. And I'm like, is this like a waste of my time? Mm-hmm. Like, is, they're just going to heal me a little bit, but I could kind of do that myself. Like, da da da. And I will never do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I could. Right. But to, to make that time. So it's like, it's like intentionally putting space aside. Mm-hmm. And I, I have never walked out. Yeah. And it's always great every time by the time I, I leave. I think the biggest thing is doing things without a goal. Mm. Your, your male brain's like, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like literally having no goal. Mm hmm. But having the intention to just play or be creative. Yeah. Yeah, I think the MMA is that for me. Mm. Like like I said, if anything, it's if, if there was a goal, it would be a bad goal. It'd be like a negative goal. It would take away from my life like a little bit. Yeah. But it's so pleasurable yeah. that uh, it's like only the times where I am like trying to have fun will I allow myself to do that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, anything like um, I mentioned painting doing something like for me everything started being so fun when i would just step outside my comfort zone a little bit Mm -hmm. um and i I am willing to try things i'm not sure sometimes if you know certain things are my thing and it's okay i'll try it on like watching one of or whatever um but yeah and then there's things i try i'm like oh my god that was so exhilarating like what uh, so I've been a poet for a long time and I got to go to like an open mic and I did a poetry jam and like I was so nervous because I've never recited my poetry before in front of people but like when I did it it was like I just like was feeling so lively and like so like uh, just like every cell in my body was like wow that I'm so alive right now so like whatever that allows you to feel that way Mm. you know is it as extreme as going like skydiving sure i've done that too but like anything and everything that you get to do it could be as simple as i don't know like uh um asking that girl out you know our friend (laughs) just doing Mm. things just because just because it's a little scary and it's a little outside of your comfort zone that could Mm. be a good thing anything that makes you feel alive Mm. like really alive Mm some some other things that i do i'll i have a soccer ball and i used to play soccer i will just start running and kick the soccer ball and i'll go there's like soccer goals in that park and i'll just go and kick soccer goals yeah and that's like again not like efficient but fun yeah like i don't watch a lot of tv but sometimes like i'll be like i haven't left in 23 hours Mm. i'll just go and literally google or youtube stupid funny home videos and i'll just like make myself laugh and it has zero goal <laughs> just to be in the flow of laughing to remind my body what it feels to laugh so that when there's an opportunity for me to laugh again it's just like easier mm. yeah anything yeah uh i know i think we've both done this but i for sure went down <laughs> the rabbit hole of uh, doing a lot of hip-hop dancing yeah which definitely had no goal but it was just so fun and then because i've built that skill set now it's really easy to like turn on any song as as you've seen me do many times, <laughs> especially in Jackson mm-hmm. Hole, where we'll put on music and I'll just I'll dance to anything now. And yeah. I've actually I think my dancing has gotten much worse over the years of of dancing really seriously because I can be sillier yeah. in the dancing now and feel confident about it. Yeah, so, and, and sometimes uh, the first time I did a Facebook Live dancing like that was terrifying like what am i doing that sounds terrifying oh yeah it was terrifying (laughs) and then i did it and then like i neutralize it but like i felt so alive for that moment Hmm. it could be i did a i do 
things all the time. Um, I had got challenged to go read my poems to strangers and I was like, okay, has no goal, but just to be outside of my comfort zone. So it doesn't mm. have to be anything big. I think there's things we can find all the time mm -hmm. that's going to push us to that like state of feeling so freaking alive in our bodies. And that's it. And to add to that, we were talking about this, uh, I think earlier today. So it's like you can, we're talking about play, mm. right? And when you play, it's there's an opportunity in every play that you might find something that lights you up a lot more than you thought it would. Mm -hmm. So for you, it might be the poetry slant. For me at one point, it was uh, making videos. Mm. So I was making these silly vlogs for fun. And then one silly vlog that I made for fun got a quarter million views yeah. on Facebook organically. Right. And I was like, what the heck just happened yeah. there, right? And I, I made it to catalog my own experience just to enjoy the memory of yeah. said thing, yeah. which then created an entire career. Yeah, right? that's and, amazing. And branched into so many things. So it's also being said, like, doing this play stuff sometimes can, can like, really dramatically affect your life. Yeah, I love that example because when you're playing, it, I think it's one of the, or when you're being creative, when you're being, when you're just being playful, I think it's one of the most divine things that you can do. And so you never know why you're being pulled to it. I love that because it's like you're being pulled to it and you have no idea why and you're just doing it. And then you never know, like, until later when you can connect the dots and like, oh, that's why I was so pulled to do it, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah that is beautiful. Have you thought of anything that was like that for you? Like something that radically shifted you, but it started as just play? Yeah, I mean, the poetry jam, so I did that. And then um, I, I actually painted a lot for a while for fun and then for as a healing modality as well. But then that led me into like a very short-lived, you know, thing of me like becoming an artist. And then I commissioned my paintings and I got into like all these like, you know, art shows. I was doing a mural at World of Dance. I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so random, but like just life just unfolded just because I was having so much fun. Mm. And you know, it started out as like, I'm just gonna do this because no reason at all, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. And also, um, I'm kind of curious to know, like from your video, so you said that that started your whole career, like how did that unfold for you? I ended up, um making seven or eight videos that month uh, cataloging my whole experience with the Mind Valley thing, which then led to uh, some between two and three years of worldwide travel. And as soon as COVID's over, I'll probably continue with that because I got invited to go and make videos all over the world for all. I mean, like I'm going to, so one of the people on my short list that I would really like to connect with is Peter Diamandis. Another <laughs> one is Simon Sinek, if you're watching. And uh, I always wanted to help these people and just not necessarily like help them long term you know vision was also on that list and i'm still helping him and i will continue to but it's like getting the exposure to these incredible idols or like dream mentors mm. and seeing what's really there so like vision was number one on my list which is why i went to that program to begin with to just experience him in person more and then he ended up becoming like a really close friend and i learned so much from him and will continue to learn so much from him yeah. so you know three years later like i lived with him yeah right like it it was really intense and you never know right i didn't think i'd be making videos for him although we did do a meditation at one of his earlier i went to this thing called extraordinary summit in san diego and we did this six phase meditation and then he added a seventh phase that mm. was called merging which was basically 
visualizing time traveling, like opening yourself up to visualizing the future. And I saw myself filming Vision. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was not a filmmaker. Mm. And I was like, that was really strange. And I remember being in the audience and he was like, does anyone want to share what they saw in their merging? And I was like, and I got the mic and I was all like shaky and scared. And I was like, I'm going to make videos with you. And he was like, oh, that's fine. And people in the audience laughed, mm. like literally laughed mm. at me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I gave the mic back. And sure enough, it that was August 2016 and May 2017 is when the video went crazy viral and Vision himself was like, let's hang out. Let's get together. Let's make more. And then we, we I did all that stuff with him and then all, yeah, who could have known yeah, that yeah. all of that would happen? It's so cool. Yeah. So like, it's like that, I know we joke about this word activation, but like you were literally activated to do all that, right? Like you were literally turned on from your soul and you just did all these things and even though yes like it took courage and it wasn't easy per se for you to go up there and say it but it was almost effortless right like it wasn't easy but it was still effortless like it was something that you were pulled to do it would have been harder not to do it right, right. so it's like yeah it's like following that non-resistance um and that's really hard especially when we're so conditioned in this masculine you know society where we are told that especially women uh we are told that we are what we do and the more that we do the more hardship that you experience that's the only way that you're able to like prove your worth and all that and then like to try on this other thing i think it really takes a leap of faith you know mm. um and it doesn't mean that you don't you take baths all day every day and do nothing but like really following those like little tiny inspired or big actions so that you can like you know gently, see what happens yeah see what happens mm, yeah. yeah so you mentioned i've got like two questions for you yes you mentioned that you were doing painting partially as a healing modality what was that from or for yeah, so when my stepdad passed away in 2017 um, after battling cancer for two and a half years, and those were some of the most difficult years of my life. And uh, yeah, when he passed away, he was an art professor um, as his original trade. I think I started to kind of like channel his energy after he passed away. And I was painting a little bit before too, but like after he passed away, I would literally wake up at like 3.30 in the morning like having this like unbelievable urge to just paint it was so mm. weird then i just like allow that to happen and surrender and i would just paint random things um and so and you know it was just like i would just post them on social media for fun and then like people started asking like oh can you do this for me can you do that for me can i pay you to do that i'm like this is so bizarre i've never been technically trained in my life for art and here I am doing things a lot of artists don't do, which is like sell their paintings and getting invited to all these art shows. So it was interesting how that like all unfolded. It was very effortless. Mm. It wasn't not scary, right. but it was effortless. And it wasn't necessarily, it sounds like a conscious healing choice, right? It yeah. wasn't like you said you're going to start painting to heal, but you said you just kept getting these like inspirations to do it. Yeah. So uh, answer your question, I think it was kind of like my, even though I didn't know it back then, it was, I was in such a grief as one of the, you know, um, uh, states that are more fear-based or can, you know, um, require healing. And I think for me, that was my way of practicing being in that creative mode anyway. Um, and moving through that. So, yeah, I think that was kind of like the 
subconscious thing that was taking place so yeah mm, beautiful yeah so then when people listen to this and they want to learn a lot more and they fall in love with you and want to learn everything that you're about what are the best ways for them to learn more about like all the things we've been talking about and just learn more from you sure um they can reach out to me on instagram it's at yuri one c y-u-r-i-1-c um you can reach out to me at creatingyourownhappiness.com you got that url i did wow and was that or... cheap or do you have to pay a lot for that it was it was cheap it was effortless Oh. <laughs> and um or and or yurichoicoaching.com so any of those ways would be great awesome yeah. and do you have any of this content anywhere outside of the book right now yes so i have a youtube channel so you can find me yuri choi um and, and this type of stuff is there this type of conversation okay. yes yeah so i have some interviews i am intending to start a podcast of some sort because i do also enjoy um interviewing and talking to a lot of um people so yeah so, but that's happening soon. But until then, um, you can find me there. Um, if you search me on Psych2Go, I actually have a few uh, monthly live workshops that I've done for their platform around mental health and mindset. So that's also available. Awesome. And before I stop all the equipment and end the recording, is there anything big and present for you that you feel like you need to share? Or do you feel pretty complete with what we've covered? Um... I just want to say this is that I just really hold a vision where we have a world where we're leading with love and for me that stands for laughter oneness vulnerability and ease and I think if we can all like continue to align to that vision um, I just see this life for everyone being more fulfilled and happy so and other than that thank you so much for having me here this was no. this was a journey like I kind of like went through all the emotions myself in this so it was really powerful thank you beautiful I hope everybody felt that too and I hope they get a lot out of it I, I'm definitely I've got notes that now I need to take notes on in my head and need to make them on paper and just structure all the different things that we've talked about you know the way I do yeah